0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. The NFL scores if you missed them. Washington pulling away from Dallas in the fourth. They got two touchdowns 7 seconds apart. One of them on defense. So 41-16 for Washington. They're 4-7. and seven. My goodness, they're first in their division. Houston beating Detroit 41-25. Both those teams are now 4-7. and seven. Good to have Singor Mobley on the show. Vic, thanks for texting in your feedback on that interview. 780-496-0063 is the number to call and text. Do not try to text if you have a rotary phone. The Big L, who is one of the most uh, amusing texters that we have to inside sports, often makes me laugh with stuff. He's on fire tonight. It's a series of texts, too many really to read on air. So I wrote Big L a message. I said, man, you are chatty tonight. And the Big L has replied by saying that his wife let him have a second light beer. The Big L is out of control. Two light beers in one evening on a Thursday. And you keep it on inside sports, though. Don't don't go out. Keep it on inside sports. That's a That's a safe spot for you after you've pounded, well, probably sipped, two light beers before we bring on my good friend, Bob Stoffer, who hosts the excellent program Oilers now from noon to two every day on six thirty. shed. I just quickly want to flash back to last night on inside sports. Peter Diakowski was on the show 11 years in the Canadian football league. He appeared on jeopardy. He ran in the federal election in 2019. Very interesting individual played for Nick Saban at Louisiana state university about 16, 17 years ago he had this tale about uh, about Nick Saban, who was then the head coach of the Tigers.
1: Yeah, you know, while he was at LSU, he controlled every single variable. And that was his philosophy. And any variable, you have such a big budget there, you can you can control anything you want. So he would insist that every single possible variable be controlled, and he's very particular too about maximizing his time and his focus. So he he would drive from the football offices do the practice facility every day. He had this very nice, big old Mercedes. And he'd pull in, there was a parking spot just for him, at the most convenient place, and they put a gate in the fence around the practice field just for him. Now, uh, since then, they of course, built a whole facility with offices at the practice facility. But Back then, they had offices by the stadium. So he would drive over, give it a drive. And while we were at practice, one of the uh, equipment managers, it was his job to back out Fabian's car and turn it around so that after practice, David could pull straight out from his parking spot.
0: The last thing you want to do, Bob Stoffer, is waste six or seven seconds backing your car out and driving to the next facility. you got to have someone ready for you to get it pointed in the right direction. There you go.
2: Well, I don't know if you know this, but Nick uh, also worked as a stunt double and was actually the guy that was deployed in the scene from Austin Powers when he was trying to turn in that little golf course uh, a <laughs> golf cart. Remember that, Reed?
0: <laughs> yes, I do remember that. That's so a nice reference.
2: This, That's this, great. This is, I, I, I've got a couple books on Nick and uh, one of them talked about when he went to Alabama, left the Miami Dolphins, sat down, it was a big deal. Uh, he finally meets sort of their, their core big contributing alumni guys. And, uh, you know, they're, these guys are well healed. And, and as you know, you know, Alabama for football is like Alberta for hockey. And he basically looked at them and said, there's two things you need to do. He said, you all have a grossly inflated value or an opinion of the level of our practice facilities and what we're dealing with. We need to upgrade our building, our stadium. We also need to significantly upgrade the practice facility. So I need you to open up the uh, uh, proverbial pocketbook to assist us in this process. And then the second thing I need you guys to do is to shut up. I don't need you talking to your friends from Georgia. Or your friends from auburn or your friends from lsu and whining and complaining about what's going on in alabama there's too much of that out there and i know that's the case because i used to get information so you need to be information gatherers not information providers and you would not believe how much that resonates at every level in sport. You want to be in an organization where you have information uh, gathers, not information providers in terms of, uh, you know, because it's intellectual property and it's competitive intelligence. And, uh, you know, that's why some, you know, like there's some NHL organizations, it's almost impossible to get anything out of and um, so that's it's a very good lesson but Nick laid the law down for those uh, uh, they're called boosters, those Alabama boosters and they knew where the lay of the land was and subsequent to that he's won five national championships and he's got a chance for six this year though he won't be on the uh, apparently he's not coaching this weekend, he's got COVID so they're playing the Iron Bowl on Saturday, it's a huge game and because of the new regulations Reed uh, I had a, a, a small little gathering that was put together for four guys and we're going to have to cancel it because we're not going to be able to the establishment we want to because it all kicks in tomorrow as you know.
0: Interesting comment Bob about sharing information and sharing wisdom. I'm currently reading a biography of Bill Parcells it came out 4 or 5 years ago. It's it's pretty thick. I'm about 200 pages in. It it's, it's 500 pages. So just for context, they they the Giants just won their second Super Bowl, so we still got a lot of his coaching career to go through. But Parcells often would consult Al Davis about his experience as a coach, coaching in championship games. And for part of that tenure, Davis was still an active uh, NFL coach, but Parcells would go to him and Parcells was well-respected enough that Davis would kind of give him advice behind the scenes. They obviously were in different conferences and didn't really have much of a rivalry at the time. I've also been struck from what I've read in that book. I mean, Belichick was there. Uh, Belichick, I, I believe, joined the Giants a couple of years before Parcells came on as a defensive assistant. And you and I often talk on and off air, Bob, about putting athletes in a position to succeed. What should a coach do for his players? Parcells very much wanted, we get the biggest guys, we get the toughest guys, and we pound away. And we do what we do best. And Belichick, especially on defense, more wanted to be like, hey, you know what, sometimes I just want to put out a crazy formation just to confuse the other uh, defense. And, And Belichick and Parcells would often butt heads, over that philosophy are we doing the same thing over and over again at the highest level possible or are we throwing curveballs along the way and i found that part of the book really interesting
2: well, I'm sure they mentioned the importance of Lawrence Taylor, too, because for yes. much of the 1980s, he was the most dynamic defense. So he was a freak, like, you know, and that's just the reality of the situation. He could do stuff that nobody else could do. So he was a game changer as a player. Uh, it's funny, you talk about sourcing other people. Uh, you had Eric Thurston on, you had Singer Mobley on in the first hour, and I'm thinking to myself, geez, that's like uh, total sports from about 2006. As you know, I used to have Singer in the studio once a week, but just – I can tell you during the 2008 Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Mike Babcock was reaching out somebody that you know and I know uh, in terms of getting them to evaluate certain aspects of the team's technical play after every game. And uh, that's just sort of like, there's lots of coaches that do that uh, to get evaluations, usually from organizations that are eliminated come playoff time. And they're just looking for an extra set of eyes. And that's just sort of a a pay it forward thing and a future considerations thing in terms of, you never know when you're going to need another assistant. So, uh, you know, coaches, uh, it's incumbent upon everybody that, like, Rita, there I talked to a couple guys in our business, how do I improve my show on a daily basis? And, uh, you know, they might not necessarily all be with chorus, but the, the reality is that's the reality. If you want to get better, you're looking for best possible practices, and there's lots of different ways to get there.
0: On that note, uh, as well, I know the Edmonton Oil Kings had a bit of a Zoom seminar last night with uh, with Ken Hitchcock, who's uh, staying involved. And uh, the Oil Kings are trying to keep busy as they get ready for, hopefully, a Western Hockey League season. I, I should put this up. Bob, Jake Neighbors uh, went to the Brooks Bandits. Now, the AJs have to shut down. Jake had not played a game. And what I have been told by a couple of sources is that if if Jake Neighbors were to play a game for Brooks it could affect the eligibility for the NCAA of all the players he would play with or against because he signed his entry-level contract, and therefore the NCAA would consider him a Hmm. professional. So that's why he had not yet played a game for Brooks, even though… You're telling me
2: something I did not know. I did not know that. I find the NCAA to be a super hypocritical organization. Like you can, as a coach, you can sit there and jump from pro. Now they've got a new thing for for college football that gets deployed a lot. It's called the portal. And so J T. Daniels was a quarterback at USC. Uh, he got uh, injured, and a guy named Caden Slovis took his job. And so J T. Daniels ended up transferring and went to Georgia. He doesn't have to sit out a year. Jalen Hurts was playing for Nick Saban at Alabama, as you know. He did not have to sit out. He used to be able to sit out an entire year. He was allowed to go to Oklahoma. But I think, you know what, this is how liberal I am on this stuff with university sport. I think if you're in the school, you should be allowed to play. There should be no term length on how long you play for. So if you're in university for six or seven years, in Canada you can play five years, in the States you can play four under the current rules. I think if you're in school, you're you're a university student. If you're a full-time student – I personally believe you should be allowed to play, and I believe you should be able to go from school to school from school, depending upon where you're going academically. Why are the coaches allowed to go from program to program and not have to wait, but uh, the student-athletes have to go in a special portal? So I I find the hypocrisy at times at the NCAA a little much.
0: I agree with you on that. U Sports, I believe, because when I was still doing Pandas basketball play-by-play, which has been a little over a decade now, they had a player transfer from Manitoba and she was getting her master's and yeah. the, the master's program was not offered at Manitoba. So therefore she could play for the Pandas without sitting out a year. So there are exceptions, but yes, generally you got to sit out a year. For your old school listeners, you might even have a couple that played with the Bears back in the uh,
2: late '60s, early '70s. That used to happen all the time, and that's part of the reason why Alberta had a dominant program, is they were a second degree granting program. So you had guys coming from Saskatchewan and coming from Manitoba that had already played. They might have played a couple of years of junior football, and then uh, three years of at, at Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and then come and did done their graduate at the U of A. And that was a real advantage to the University of Alberta. Let's not forget the University of Calgary was a feeder school to the U of A until it became a full-time university in 1964. And just with junior football, they now have a a caveat in place that doesn't allow the Saskatchewan Huskies to have 27- and 28-year-old offensive linemen on the sidelines. The joke was when Western played Saskatchewan in the Churchill Bowl one year that the Western players were asking the Saskatchewan guys, those sandboxes that they got on the sidelines, is that for your kids? (laughs) <laughs> you know, because that's so old a lot of the guys in the U of S like the U of S had a couple offensive linemen that were 26 or 27. You know what, to a lesser degree, we see that a bit with Brigham Young too, you know, because you have guys going on missions. Now I think they've cut the length of missions from two years to 18 months, but sometimes you get, you're still off of football for two years. So you end up getting guys 25, 26 playing against 20 and 21 year olds in NCAA college football is a big difference.
0: Bob, I want to hit on one more thing before we get to the quiz for Stoffer, which I know is the, the highlight of your week. I, yes. Brian Burke was on today, a uh, great guest that you have every Thursday. Uh, I'm going to run a couple clips that he he said about, about the the schedule and the travel because that's a topic I, I really think the NHL needs to look at, even beyond this year, where they're going right. to have to tinker with some things. Um, but I, they get, what, what's the date today, November 26th? Yeah. Like, they're... They, January first is not happening, is it? I, it I just can't. think it's such it a long can't. shot.
2: It's going to be. I would be stunned if it was before February first. But I do think if it's February first, we can go February first to May fifteenth, have a forty-eight game regular season, and then uh, and then get into the playoffs. Uh, total wild card is the vaccine, and it's that that is going to be the biggest story in I mean, look, we're dealing with the biggest story that the world has seen for a long time. And the next biggest story is going to be uh, the vaccination process. And how, you know, Trudeau coming out a couple days ago and basically saying we're a little bit further down the queue. If we're sitting here to read and it's March and Canada doesn't have vaccine and there's a vaccine in the U.S. starting in the middle of December, because I think they have a big uh, approval process December the 10th, I'm going to tell you there's going to be some pretty frustrated Canadians. Now, conversely, if Trudeau delivers and gets vaccine in the hands of our critical uh, care workers and doctors and nurses by, say, late December, then then it's a huge victory for him. But that's a major story. But nonetheless, I think February 1st we will be playing.
0: Well, you know what, Bob? I, I, again, we are speculating. I want to be clear. We've been doing that a lot. I, yeah, like, if, if the United States gets a vaccine and Canada doesn't, could the Canadian teams have to go play in the States? Wouldn't that be ironic after everything that's happened? Huh. And the two bubble cities being in Canada. That's,
2: that is, that's, boy, I I haven't thought of, because I think we'll find a way to to have some kind of, I mean, I don't, we're not even sure if the World Juniors is going to get pulled off right now. True. Uh, You know, I think they'll have things taken care of for Team Canada. But what about all the teams coming from Europe? You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's a terrific event. TSN does a wonderful job broadcasting. I hope it ultimately comes from fruition. We're going to need it. We need some sports. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I get jacked just I, I'm bummed out that Lamar Jackson, and Baltimore aren't going to play. It doesn't look like they're going to play the Steelers on Sunday. They're going to get that game pushed back or they're going to flex the game or something. Uh, but I mean, I love Saturdays and Sundays. I'm upstairs in the bonus room and it's just nonstop football all day.
0: Uh, I, I, I know I know you listened a little bit off the top there, but Dean McIntosh, who's uh, a Hockey Canada VP, was asked about that, about the other teams coming in and keeping it safe. So if you want that clip for your show tomorrow, Bob, uh, Brandon knows where to where to find that. He kind of explained how he thinks they're going to make it work. I have three questions for you today. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The topics okay. are the topics are Nick Saban, Oilers goaltending, and the Drayton Valley Thunder in honor of Eric Thurston being on the show. Which would you like first? Oh, I got. Virtually no chance on the Drayton Valley Thunder, but go for it. I think you do have a chance here actually, because you gotta think you gotta think about, about Wilkins as well here. What Lloyd Minster native helped Drayton Valley win the AJHL title in two thousand two, then played five hundred and fifty two NHL games. And he stopped at Medicine Hat in between. So Drayton Valley in the AJ, Medicine hat, then the NHL, and he's from Lloyd. From Lloyd,
2: and he played for Medicine Hat in the WHL. He played three years for
0: Medicine Hat. Yep. Okay. And one year, Drayton Valley Thunder, and they they won the title. the The Blazers, the Lloyd Blazers at the time, did not lock him up, which was considered a huge mistake. So a guy that's played five—is he still in the league? No, he's he's uh, he's had to retire. Because of concussions. Okay, so the answer is Derek Dorsett. The answer is Clark MacArthur.
2: Oh man, boo, Derek Dorsett. You know what? Derek Dorsett's from Kindersley, Saskatchewan. That's a bad. That's a bad miss by me. I,
0: I, I thought you're. I thought you were gonna figure it out. That's okay. It was a bit of a he bit of a with tough one.
2: Lo- Lo- he played a bit with Joffrey Lupul with the Leafs. I cannot believe I missed Clark MacArthur. See, if you it told used- me that he went to, I actually got really upset. He hit uh liam reddick's once head first in the boards when he was in buffalo and i just about lost it on the air i'm like you're clark MacArthur. you're hitting the guy like and i thought reddick's broke his neck on the play. Uh,
0: i'll give you the Sabin question who did nick this is this is the freebie who did nick saban replace at alabama
2: Ooh.
0: uh well let's see it would have been was it shula Mike Shula, absolutely. There we go. And yeah. for, for the canned ham, what goaltender recorded the first shutout in Oilers' NHL team history and as a bonus against what team? The first Oilers shutout. In the, the NHL. All right, so. They only had one that season. Uh, what time of season was it in? It was December 9th, 1979. I got. Was Was it Dave Dryden? It was Eddie Meal. Oh man, Brutal. Who had thirty saves against Hartford in a three nothing win. You're gonna have okay. to help me though here. Uh the Oilers oh now I lost the oh there it is. The Oilers had a guy in the on that team, I don't remember this guy, Alex Tidy, T I D E Y. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He he was he was a light, uh, light-haired guy with a really cheesy mustache, which was typical of that time frame back in 1979-80. Uh, Eddie Mio, as you know, is now an NHL agent. Uh, was in Wayne Gretzky's wedding party, very charismatic fellow. We see him all the time when we uh, see him in Detroit, and I cannot believe that i blew clark macarthur uh when you said he was retired i, I just thought of dorsett recently retiring and totally forgot that he wasn't i could have sworn dorsett might have played for lloyd in uh in bantam double a which is why i thought that he uh, in fact did you see dorsett play for lloyd I, I might be getting him and mason I, shaw. I, do you know who mason shaw is Dor, i don't He's remember dorsett Okay. I, type, up, uh, I type up I don't think type up Mason Shaw and I, I he was a min I think he
0: was a Minnesota wild Yeah, I don't remember like the, the Drzezinskys were coming up just as I was leaving. Yeah, there. Shaw was a lot later. Like Shaw was twelve thirteen, thirteen fourteen. Oh yeah, I was I was here already. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And he was look so he was playing against Tyler Benson and Carter Hart and Sam Steele and all those guys. But he was a super aggressive player that was playing in Lloyd at that time.
0: Bob, this was a blast as always, buddy. Well, next time you're on, you can redeem yourself. We'll do another quiz. I'm telling you, I feel, I feel shame, Reed. Take care. <laughs> that is Bob offer He should never feel shame. Back after the break. Eddie Mio. Yes, it was Eddie Mio with the first shutout in Oilers NHL franchise history. Clark MacArthur, a great story about Clark MacArthur. He played on that awesome world junior team in uh, North Dakota during the uh, NHL lockout. And uh, he, he flew back to Lloyd Minster. As you can imagine, the Lloydminster Airport is not big. The reception for him at the uh, Lloyd Airport was his father, me, and my camera guy from New Cap Television. <laughs> that was that was pretty cool. We were, we were the only ones there to greet him as he came back to the border city. We're back after the news. Thanks for checking the show out tonight. Tonight, you've heard from Eric Thurston, Bob Stoffer, Singor Mobley. It was awesome to catch up with him. His former team, the Dallas Cowboys, losing badly today, 41-16 to Washington. Houston beats Detroit 41-25. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, already postponed from tonight until Sunday, could be further postponed. As uh, reports tonight, that several Ravens players have tested positive for COVID-19 and they're shutting down their facilities until Sunday, which would make it pretty hard to prepare for and play a game, or till Monday, pardon me, which would make it pretty hard to prepare for and play in a game on Sunday. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that. We were talking about the World Juniors. A little bit earlier, they uh, had a news conference today over Zoom just with a little update. So the two players tested positive there. The team now quarantined. In Red Deer head coach Andre Tourney asked how the players are going to keep occupied.
3: You know, we're, we're really impressed by the, the, the way the player can adapt. It's unbelievable. You put the problem and you, if you have the right attitude, you find solution. And uh, yesterday we... We had that. We broke that news. The player at 4 p.m. and right away after we start to form committees and with the staff and a lot of staff staff chip in and the number of solution and ideas we had from the player was overwhelming. At some point, I was uh, I was overwhelmed by the number of uh, creative the creativity of the player and the, the the options. So we will have workout every day. That will be one. Uh, we will have guest speaker. Uh, Pretty much every day we have as well a a social committee who organize game, quiz, uh, poker tournament, and different stuff. Every day we have activity with the player, so we can uh, we 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 can do stuff either online or on Zoom or different stuff. So uh, the player been outstanding in their their attitude. We knew when we. We're heading into that camp, that was possible. Everybody knew you know, that was going on on the planet. So everybody knew. So I, I think even if uh, the player were in the staff, we took it a little bit, uh, uh, staying a little bit at the start. I think the way the player and the staff bounce back, it's really impressive so far.
0: Andre Tourney, the head coach of the Canadian World Junior Team, talking about how his players are going to get through this period of quarantine. They are now three days into it getting ready for the World Junior Tournament. They're going to be bringing in teams, obviously, uh, internationally. We we had a uh, clip there earlier from Dean McIntosh, who is with uh, Hockey Canada as uh, a vice president. Of uh, of events and properties, and uh, he talked about how they're going to be bringing players in on flights and testing them and keeping the bubble secure here in Edmonton. They're using Sutton Place and the JW Bear Marriott just like they did for the Stanley Cup playoffs in August and September. Clearly, in an ongoing situation, things can change on the fly, but that's how they're going to try to deal with everything and get the tournament going on Christmas Day, running through January 5th. No fans, obviously, and then Edmonton and Red Deer get to host again next year, and hopefully that is a tournament played under circumstances that we're a little bit more used to. Happy to hear from you tonight, by the way. Of course, the number is 780-496-0063 to call and text you can also email inside sports at 630ched.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S. So, um, Brian Burke was on a Weather's with Bob Stoffer, always a great guest. He's uh, back on the show every Thursday. And we know that this is going to be a different NHL season to varying degrees in different categories. Bob and I were just discussing in the last half hour. I mean, I just, I can't see that they do January 1st at this point. Bob was talking more about February 1st. I I would think at this point, probably January 15th is the earliest they could start the NHL season. If it's not until February 1st, that's a 48 game season. The one thing I feel most certain about, at least at this point is that there would be a Canadian division so you wouldn't be moving teams back and forth across the border. So that means you're seeing Calgary a lot and, and then extra games. Uh, you know, you're already, you already see Calgary and Vancouver a fair bit, but you, you'd get them even more and you'd have more games against the Eastern conference instead of Toronto, just twice a year. Uh, I mean, you'd play them the, what, up to eight times a year under this format. So, well, I guess if they went with 48, yeah, they'd have to play them eight times a year. So, what, what does that mean for the schedule and, and for travel? Well, Brian Burke, of course, now a broadcaster, former NHL executive, here's what he said to Bob about how the NHL schedule is probably going to look.
4: Well, the Ottawa Senators aren't going to come all the way to Western Canada and play three games. They're going to play eight games. They're going to play Winnipeg on the way out twice. They're going to play Calgary and Edmonton twice. They're going to play Vancouver twice, then go back. Because the cost of travel is now a factor. It used to be when the buildings were full, money's rolling in, no owner ever said to me, and we do anything about travel costs? We just took the Leafs schedule and, and did it. And I remember my last year in Calgary, and I complained bitterly about this at the time. The league had us fly to Toronto on a Tuesday, play the Leafs on Wednesday night, fly to Montreal after the game, play Montreal Thursday night, and then fly all the way home. It costs us $300,000 in airfare. And I called Steve Hatsopetros, who works for the league, great guy. And I said, can't you get us Ottawa on that trip or Buffalo on that trip or Winnipeg or Minnesota on the way back? We don't want to go that all that way and spend three hundred grand to play four games. And he said, no. Well, guess what? Now they're going to look at that and say, we can't possibly drop three hundred grand on two games. So the Vancouver Canucks will go play Ottawa twice, play Montreal twice, twice play Toronto twice and come home or catch Winnipeg or Calgary Edmonton on the way, but no one's going out and playing two game road trips anymore that I can promise you.
0: All right. So, and again, I think the NHL's preference is play the games in the home arenas. So the teams would have to travel, but you're going for double headers or maybe even triple headers to, to build off what Brian Burke said. It might not just be Ottawa goes to Vancouver for, for two games. They, they could go for three. I mean, if they play 48 games and there's seven teams in the Canadian division, that means you have six opponents. Uh, 48 divided by six, is that eight, Kellen? Yes. So you'd play everybody eight times. So do you go, I guess you probably wouldn't go for a quadruple header. So maybe you would go to Vancouver twice for two games each if you're Ottawa or, or Edmonton or Calgary or whoever. So that's likely how the schedule is going to look. Personally, I hope the NHL keeps that in mind going forward. And, and I know Brian Burke has talked about it in the past on Bob's show that when he was the GM of Anaheim and they went on an Eastern road trip, they wanted to go for six games minimum. Brian said they rarely got their way, but if they were going to go to the to the northeastern states, then they want to play the three New York teams: Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, or Boston, or whoever. They don't want to be going back and forth multiple times. I I, I, I remember chatting with Ken Holland last fall. The Oilers had a, a bit of a, a golf event for the media, and Ken was was saying, you know, he doesn't like. So the Oilers, or any team, I mean, it happens to everybody. I, I think more so with the teams in the Central and the West, the Pacific divisions. So you go on a, on a three-game road trip. So say if you're the Oilers, you go to uh, St. Louis, Dallas, and Arizona. You come home and you play one home game and uh, then you go play Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. I mean, teams would just sooner stay on the road. I don't know if they're going to keep the double headers once we get back to 82 games and maybe traveling's a little more convenient and, and a little safer. But I, I, I hope that, because th- I think that's what GM want. I mean, Brian Burke just said it on Bob's show. He's the, the manager of Calgary. They don't want to go out to the East and just play two games, make it worth their while. So for this year coming up, shortened season probably a lot of back-to-backs probably against the same opponent so if the Oilers have a homestand it could be Calgary Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday no games uh, Montreal Friday Saturday and then maybe a couple days off and then Ottawa comes in the the Tuesday Wednesday and then they go out on the road for a similar type schedule but going forward I hope the NHL considers that that if you're putting a team on the road Keep them on the road, and then maybe you do play some doubleheaders along the way. Maybe when the orders go to California, it's L.A., L.A., San Jose, San Jose, Anaheim, Anaheim, six games in ten days, something like that. So just just thinking ahead here when the season does get going. Seven forty-six. We'll take a quick timeout. I appreciate you tuning in tonight. Come up, no a little leopard you for you. Like hey, I want to remind you if, you, if you can here, to uh, please support the 17th annual Global News Give Me Shelter campaign. It's a major fundraiser supporting the five and Edmonton-area women's shelters. Now, uh, over the years, you can donate toys, unwrapped gifts, toiletries, gift cards, things like that, to help make the holidays a bit brighter for women and children who are fleeing domestic violence. Now, of course, this year uh, the need greater than ever due to the economy and the pandemic. Uh, because of uh, COVID nineteen restrictions, not able to accept donations of toys, gifts, and toiletries, um, but the campaign running until December eighteenth, encouraging you out there to donate gift cards and online cash donations globalnews.ca slash give me shelter in years past uh, I've gone and done a shift or two in front of the global television building as people can drive through and and drop off whatever they're donating online this year globalnews.ca slash give me shelter if you're able to help out at all at all I know it's a tough time for uh, for a lot of people but if you are able to chip in with anything uh, gift cards and online cash donations only this year for the 17th annual global news give me shelter campaign globalnews.ca slash give me shelter thanking you in advance if you uh, are able to help out we really do appreciate it reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 chet 780-496-0063 the number to call or text Uh, again that uh, well it's not a contest but the suggestion box for the new name for the Double E football team is open on their website, esks.com slash name, until the end of day on Tuesday. You can also use the hashtag on Twitter, Double E name time. I still like the name Express. I wrote a bit of a blog today about why I like that. I threw in some other suggestions that I've heard along the way. The one that that sticks with me a bit too is Elks. There was a, a rugby team here in Edmonton almost 100 years ago called the Elks um you usually can't go wrong with an animal name i did have somebody text uh, a few months back when we were going through all the name change stuff in the summer that he uh, he or she thought the elk is too skittish and fragile an animal to uh, name a football team after i never thought of it that way um i i think that that could allow for some interesting imagery they're 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 not changing the double e logo they're not changing the green and gold colors but i think what what I would like to see from the team is that they pick a name that you can use in an advertising campaign and you can have a variety of of other images, whether you call to call them secondary images or secondary logos to, to help present the team. And that's, and that's the, you know, it, it, that, I, I was pretty honest about it at the time. Th- those were difficult shows for me to do. That, that was a difficult topic for a lot of reasons because it, it really divided people. I, I know some people really didn't like the name. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be disrespectful to those people, but I didn't want to be disrespectful to the tradition of the team. I am a season ticket holder and you get attached to the name, even though for me, I knew there were, were issues with it. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's why, uh, you know, we were taking names, name suggestions at that time too. Somebody just texted in um, yeah, the ermine. I think that's from Max who was texting in that The ermine are like some little mean animal, aren't they? According to Wikipedia, the ermine is a type of weasel. Are they vicious, Max? <laughs> but anyway, that somebody wrote that in in the summer when we were going through the the name change. That that the problem, you know, and I and I heard a lot of different stuff, and I tried to think about everything and and give it some thought and and consider it, regardless of what side of it was on or what was being presented. Um. And somebody said, you know, the, the problem with the, the person wrote in and said, if Eskimos is such a great name, why don't they have a, a 10 foot, 20 foot, you know, inflatable uh, Eskimo that that runs, you know, that it runs down midfield at halftime of games to get people pumped up. And that was the, the problem with the team name, that it was not comfortable to present the image of the name without p- appearing offensive or insensitive or, or awkward, depending on where you want to put it on the scale so that's what I hope with the new name that it is something that can be depicted publicly comfortably in a fun way in a way that engages fans with elks or elk whatever you want to go with I'm sure you could have some fun with antlers on hats and toques they might be in the way if you're sitting in the game and and uh (laughs) And uh, and have people behind you, but but that is, so that's what I hope. Uh, Roadhammer just wrote it. He said, obviously, that listener has never seen a pissed off elk before. I have, and they're not skittish at all. Yeah, well, fair you go. Um, Jen says an ermine is a weasel in winter white color. All right. Daryl says excavators always building a team and a city. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Edmonton Energy, Tim wrote that in. Yeah, that's been suggested as well. Yeah, and Tim, you're right. Tim, Tim said change nothing else. They're not, they're not changing the colors, they're not changing the logo. Maybe there's going to be minor tweaks to the uniform, but they do that every few years anyway, with the striping. The reason I like Express, and I am not going to come on here and say I have the only idea if or that's should be considered. I'm just giving you my personal opinion as as you often give me yours. The reason I like Express is it's two syllables. It's relatively quick to say. I know it's not a plural word necessarily, but it still ends with an S sound. And I think you could have some fun with the word and with the imagery. So express, speed. We have, uh, you know, trains in Edmonton. Often we have to wait for them, but we have an LRT. I picture a, a football with, you know, the the motion lines behind it on top of the high-level bridge using those trolley, uh, you know, the rail lines on top of the high-level bridge. I I picture images of footballs with, you know, uh, wings like planes circling Commonwealth Stadium, images with fast cars. And, of course, you need fast players, tough players to to, to play winning football. And then I think you have fan engagement, express yourself, self-expression. You do something as a fan to define the image of the team to define what it means to you, to decide what energy you're going to bring to the stadium. That's why Express works for me personally. But I think there are a lot of great suggestions out there. To the person who has texted multiple times tonight that Maradona has passed away, I appreciate the update. I did know that. We did discuss him on yesterday's show. All right. All right. That was fun tonight. We will be back tomorrow at six. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. You miss anything, look for the podcast for Inside Sports wherever you get your podcasts or go to the show page on 630chad.com. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.